0: Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On Visa, these
3: are number three of the great Peterson Experience of Visa, the Sports Bank Network and We've got a superb hour coming up for you as We're going to be joined in 15 minutes by Tanner Kern. He does tremendous work over at DraftKings, does a little bit of everything. He's done good work all throughout the year, taking a look at the NFL. But as we know, the NFL is now done, and he's getting a set for the upcoming baseball season as we're going to be taking a look at some MLB futures with him. We're going to be taking a look at what we've all got on the card for Friday. I know that he's got a little bit of hockey on there. I know that he's been... Looking at a little bit of the NBA as well with that hitting the All-Star break as well. So. We're going to have a nice wide range, about 15 minutes to try to find you guys some winners on the card for this weekend, and some winners when it comes to the spring and summer as well, with regards to the baseball front, so very much looking forward to that. Front half and back half of the hour, going to get you guys set for the Friday college basketball card as well, and if you missed by a DK Network right a pick from hour number two, we're going to be re-racking that for you in 45 minutes. On top of that, the beer review bracket, because you've got March Madness, and we've also got beer review madness as well. That is going gonna. To be raging on as well. We've got to find some beers to be able to celebrate these winners with and now we've got two classic breweries going up against one another in the round of 32. It is Founders versus Samuel Adams and we're going to be featuring Founders tonight for all of you folks out there in the great state of Michigan. So we've got ourselves an absolutely tremendous hour coming up here and I do want to take a look at this game because we get a lot of Mac with two A's games that are going to be going down on Friday, but we always get the one with 1A that delivers a game or two, so let's dive in on that one. It's 893-894 on the card. Toledo is going to be playing Ohio. The Ohio Bobcats open up as five and a half point underdogs. Mostly six across the board now, and your total is between 140 or 159.5 and 160, and with Ohio, I'm going to be willing to take the points. felt like this line should have been a bit closer to a a 4.5, so I do think that there's a bit of value here with an Ohio team that has been playing a little bit better recently. If you do have trepidation with this Ohio bunch, they're not the best at being able to glass. You don't have a single guy in the roster that gives you north of five rebounds per game. It's not a team that necessarily has, like, stout size or anything like that, but It's not like this is a Toledo bunch that necessarily does the world's greatest job of batting down the hatches on the glass as well. Ohio about 245th in all of college basketball in terms of their rebound rate. And you've got Toledo team that's more around 185th. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit more of a wash. You've got Tether Cochran on the side of Toledo has been able to give you a double figure amount of points, six boards. He's really a little bit of a gadget, do it all sort of guy for Toledo. And then when Toledo, I've actually been impressed by the way that they've been playing defense a little bit more recently now for Toledo their numbers get very much warped by the fact that they played that double overtime game against Appalachian State and that was just absolutely harebrained insane and I'll be honest here I thought that that was one of the best games that we've seen all college basketball season long but if you look at how they were playing prior to that affair they've actually been able to hold down teams quite a bit more recently as a matter of fact in terms of their last nine games so that does include the double overtime game that we did see against Appalachian State they've given up 73 or fewer all but three of them, so they've been able to do a better job there. 77 or fewer, and all but two as well. So they've been able to do a little bit of more respectable job on the defensive side of things going up against an IO team that. They're not really the world's greatest in terms of their three-point shooting. It's really the ancillary pieces that do a nice job of being able to go bounce away from three par range. Because we've got a pair of guys in Jalen Hunter along Sharif Mitchell. They combine for about 28 points per contest. They do a nice job of being versatile for the team as for Ohio as mentioning the fact that they don't necessarily have that one dominant rebounder. But I will say this about Ohio. Among their top six scores on the roster every single one of them gives you at least four rebounds and that takes out of the full AJ brown who's only played nine games thus far this season so they actually do a really good job by committee of hitting the glass they just don't have that one set guide like you had with dwight wilson back in the day who's able to give you like nine boards a block and a partridge and a pair of tree but that said with hunter along with mitchell they just don't shoot it well from three point range. they combine shoot in that neighborhood about 31 percent from distance but those ancillary pieces, they are able to step up. A.J. Clayton is someone that's able to shoot 40% from 3-par range. In fact, Miles Brown, who was injured for much of the season, missed nine games, he's back. He's shooting 40% from 3-par range as well. And this is an Ohio team that they're just really smart with the ball. Really, both of these teams are. Both of these teams in the top 50, in terms of a few turnovers on a per-possession basis. But in terms of ball control, the advantage does go to Ohio in this spot. They're only turning the ball over about 9.8 times for contest Now for Ohio... They're going to give you some second chances with the way that they don't hit the glass very well. But I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring affair with Ohio felt like they were getting a little bit too fast for their own good, but Jeff Bulls, who I think is a really good coach, he's been able to do some amazing work over the last few years at Ohio. He's got this team playing a little bit more wise, and he's been able to slow them down quite a bit. If you look at regulation and regulation only, because their game against Ball State went to overtime. They allowed 72 points in regulation prior to that overtime session. They, in their last seven games, have given up 72 points or fewer in all but two of them. The lone exception, their game in that Sunbelt versus back challenge, where they go on the road to Arkansas, one of the most efficient and just high flying offenses in all of college basketball. They give up a hundred spot there. In all of their other seven games in regulation, they've given up seventy-two points or fear. So I do think that this game is gonna be a little bit more buttoned up and under control. I'm gonna be looking at the under. so I told more around a 156 FN. With Toledo going to make them about a four and a half point favorite. So going to be one take five plus here with the Bobcats. As we are looking at the slate for Friday right here on the Greg Peterson Experience. On Visa, the Sports Bank Network can have yet to spotlight this game. And it does involve one of the teams that have been, shall we say, very interesting in college basketball this season. It's 887-888. Dartmouth hits the road to face off against Columbia. And Columbia does find themselves as a 9 to a a 9.5 point favorite. Total on this game, 135.5. I let off the show talking about how remarkable it is, what we're seeing out of Minnesota with them being 21-3 against the spread. They lead off college basketball in terms of recovery. Well... You've got a Dartmouth team that leads off college basketball in an aspect of their own. And that's being able to hit games to the under. Because this team has not been able to give you a lot of offense thus far this season. It's just been a myriad of issues in general for this Dartmouth team. 14 unders of four overs thus far this season. It has been pretty ghastly there. They've dealt with a few injuries. I know that Dusan Neskovich, along with Brandon Mitchell Day, they've been missing quite a bit of time and... These are really your lone two guys. They're able to give you double figures on the roster. Both of these guys reel in there about five to five and a half rebounds per game, which Dartmouth is about 300th in the country with regards to their overall rebound rate. And Columbia is a better team, but it's not like this Columbia team has some sort of a big man that's going to give you like eight or so rebounds per game. I would actually like to see their big man in Blair Thompson do a little bit more on the glasses. He's versatile. He's six foot eight. He pops it from 3-par-inch, but he only gives you about 4 rebounds per contest. Now, what I do like about this Columbia team, they've got by far the best point guard out there on the floor. Geronimo Rubio De La Rosa. That's a fun name to say. 13 points. He's able to give you about three and a half, four assists per contest. Chips in there a few rebounds. And he's the headliner for a Columbia team that they shoot north of 38% from 3 par inches as a collective. They're a top-30 team in all of college basketball. In terms of 3-point shooting percentage, not big splits with their regards a home and road and this is a Dartmouth team that they do give it up a bit from distance they are outside the top 225 in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage but I do think that Dartmouth is actually going to be able to hold in this game I set my line at eight and a half I'm going to be able to take the points this Dartmouth team has an uncanny ability of making things slow grimy and just in general sad Dartmouth in terms of total possessions per game, they are 299th in all of college basketball. Going up against the Columbia team, they're a little bit more accustomed to running it and gunning it. Columbia, they're about 200th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. They have been a squad that has been looking to play quite a bit more slowly this time of year. So. I do think that with Columbia, it's going to be really interesting to see what they're going to be able to do moving forward. And for Columbia, they're not a team that necessarily generates a ton of turnovers. They've been relatively solid with that regard. But I do think that when it comes to the Dartmouth team, the biggest key for them is just being able to do an okay job of being able to find some perimeter scoring. Because Ryan Cornish last year, he was a double-figure scorer for this team. He was really able to elevate them. So He's only been able to give you about 7 points per contest. He has been really not able to find that same swagger that he had a season ago. He's been looking a little bit better recently, but it's been really touch and go. Every single time you think that you're getting the Cornish from last season, he reverts into a pumpkin. So that's been a little bit of an issue for this team. It is also a Dartmouth team that's outside the top 275 in terms of ball control as well. But this is a Columbia team that they themselves do turn the ball over north of 12 times for contest. I do think that things get slowed down quite a bit in this one in Dartmouth. They've been able to do a relatively Solid job of being able to guard inside of the three-point arc. Meanwhile, you've got a Columbia team that they've had their issues there. And with Dartmouth shooting 28% from three-point range, they're not going to be looking to vomit too much from the outside. So I actually do think that this is a halfway decent matchup for a Dartmouth team that – they haven't had a lot of good matchups thus far this season, so I'm going to be willing to take the 9-9.5 nine to nine with Dartmouth. Did set them as an 8.5-point underdog, and the line this total should about been 134.5. You've got a Columbia team that's able to stroke it from 3-par range, but at the same time, a Dartmouth team that I just don't know if they're going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain in terms of this total. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total under, and I'm going to be willing to take 9-plus here with Dartmouth. We have yet to hit upon the two extra games that we've got on the board, and I do see a nice edge with this one. 306-555. 306-556. Queens NC is gonna be playing us at Jacksonville. Jacksonville, the Dolphins are a two-point underdog. Throwdown game is one fifty-one. Boy, is this a situation of something's gotta give. Jacksonville has went straight down the toilet bowl in terms of their offense. They have scored fewer than 70 points before their last five games. Queens NC, meanwhile, against every single D1 team except for one that they have played since November 18th, they have surrendered at least 75 points to. Like this Queens NC team, you pretty much, they always talk about how you get like a few hundred points on your SET score for just signing your name on the paper. Just by showing up in uniform, playing against Queens NC, you're pretty much spotted about 70 Five points, so that does make it very interesting, but I did set Queens NC as a six-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. With Queens NC, typically this team is just completely bludgeoned on the glass, but with Jacksonville, it has been a team that, despite the fact that they're in the top 135 with regards to rebound rate, they're dealing with all sorts of injuries. Marcus Heiblack is currently out of the fold now. They just got Bryce Workman back at the fold, and Bryce Workman has been able to make a nice little contribution for this team. He's been able to supply the team with 22 rebounds in their last three games. He was out for north of 10 games, so I do think that he's going to be able to elevate Jacksonville a little bit, but team is dealing with a bunch of injuries. Got a Queens-NC team that's going to be a light up a Jacksonville team that's outside the top 275 in terms of opponents' 3-point shooting percentage. Set my line at 6, going to be willing to lay the number, and I think that Queens gets their up-tempo brand of basketball. Once again, looking at the over and coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at a little baseball with Tanner Kern of DraftKings right here on The Great and Experience on Visa, the Sports Network.
4: how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks
0: for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline.
4: Hey, Sarah, i loved love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented
0: Hoops Peterson himself on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: You know that you've been busy with football, which is why the VCN experts have just released our free NBA at the break betting primer. Get the free guide today and start betting the NBA smarter with features bets to make right now. Western and Eastern Conference Analysis plus betting tips for the rest of the season. Visit VCN.com slash guide to be able to get your free copy today. That is over at VSIN.com guide. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Fighting Network, and it is always great to be joined by this man, Tanner Gern. He does absolutely tremendous work over at Drive Kings, taking a look at so many different things, and he, much like myself, is starting to get the bug when it comes to the upcoming MLB season. And Tanner, it is always great to be able to get you aboard. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me, Greg. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to talk some baseball tonight.
3: Absolutely. And with pitchers and catchers reporting, first things first, before we dive in on some of the futures bets that you have made, how do you take a look at the baseball offseason and just sort of prepare for it? Because I do think that with baseball, it sort of silently creeps up on people. And what is very unique about baseball as well is that a lot of the bigger moves that you're going to be finding in terms of free agency, they don't like all happen at once. It's very much spaced out. And some of those happen just like weeks before the start of the season.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting season. It's going to come up quick. So for free agency-wise, pay attention to the rumors, right? Because the rumors are going to move the lines and the odds. Uh, so make sure you get the best number. And that is right now in many cases. I know you got to worry about injuries in that case and if teams do eventually sign people. Um, but you have a good idea what these rosters are going to look like right now. Most teams are done with the free agents. There's still a lot of good guys out there that will improve rosters. Uh, but definitely pay attention to the rumors because that's going to help you in terms of placing your future bets.
3: Absolutely. And before we dive in on a few season win totals, I know that you've got a little bit of a bet for Cy Young Award. And this one is a little bit to the chagrin of myself. I'm a Milwaukee Brewers fan and why the Brewers gave up what they did and Corbin Burns for the haul that they got back. Ironically enough, they got DL Hall and like one or two other minor leaguers. I am not happy with it, to say the least. But that said, I know you're taking a look at Corbin Burns to be able to win the Cy Young Award. And I believe that you got 10 to 1 on that.
2: 10 to one is a great number here, especially with the pitchers in the American league right now. Corbin burns coming to the American league, I think it's really going to work wonders for his game. I know you don't want to hear that Greg, but I think we're (laughs) going to see a revitalized burns this season in 2021. He won the Cy young and led the league in ERA with a two, four, three. He was fantastic. He did two, nine, four in 2022 and led the league in strikeouts with 243 that season last year. He wasn't all-star, but the ERA did spike to a three, three, nine, wasn't super dominant with strikeouts as dominant as he has been, much more dominant than many pitchers in the league, of course. Um, but I think he's really ran his course in the National League, and now he has a whole new league of batters that have not faced him consistently. I think that's going to, again, work wonders for him. The Orioles are going to give him run support. I think he's going to be happy playing in Baltimore. It seems like a very fun place to play a young roster with a lot of talent there. Garrett Cole is the favorite to win the Cy Young right now. It's very hard to go back to back there. Kevin Gosman hasn't finished higher than third in the Cy Young. He's second on the list. And then the same goes for Pablo Lopez and Framber Valdez. Two elite pitchers, really good guys, but I just don't look at them as Cy Young winners right now. I see Corbin Burns as the most dominant arm there in a great situation. And for 10 to 1, you really can't beat the number.
3: Yep, absolutely. And I mean, I don't wish any ill will on Corbin Burns. I do wish that the front office had gotten a little bit more for him. You got DL and you got a prospect or two whoopty stinking do but I'm right there with you him being the number four choice I think that that's very much warranted and even though Garrett Cole won the Cy Young Award last season it's not like he had some sort of a legendary season or anything like that so I do agree with you there and I know you're taking quite a bit of a look at the American League East and that's where we find one of your main win totals you're looking at the Boston Red Sox to be able to get over 80 wins this season.
2: I hate to do it, Greg, but I have to do it here. The Red Sox to win 80 games, you can get it for plus money. They've won 78 games in each of the past two seasons. They haven't really improved this off season necessarily, but there's a new generation of talent coming up with a new mentality. And hopefully that plays out Uh, new, you know, front office group, not front office, but new uh, you know, general manager there. So there's a lot of new things coming for the Boston Red Sox this season. I do believe if they could win 78 games last season, they can do 80 this season. The vision is very similar similar to what it was. The Yankees only won 82 games last year. They're going to be better, obviously, the favorites to win the American League East. But the Red Sox have tended to win the battle between New York over the past couple seasons. So I'm not super concerned there. Lucas Giolito might not be a frontline starter. He shouldn't be the headlining guy uh, on opening day for for many teams. But he is for the Boston Red Sox. We got to deal with it. However, I do think the change of scenery is really going to help him. He had a 4 ERA last year, but still got those swings and misses. And that's very valuable. Playable, especially in a Red Sox rotation that didn't really get that last year. Um, Brian Bayo is going to be the centerpiece of the team. Nick Pavetta has talent. Cutter Crawford still gives you an effort. And when Garrett Whitlock, if he is eventually a starter this year, learns how to continue to learn how to be a starter, they're going to be just fine there. You got Kenley Jansen coming out of the, uh, as the closer when he gets healthy. And then you have a pretty good core of hitters. Tristan Cassis, Rafael Devers, Trevor Story, who you really didn't see much of last season. Masataka Yoshida. It's not a great lineup, but it's one that, is If they stay healthy, they are capable of winning 80 games, even in a loaded American League East division. So I trust that they can get there. I think they can. I don't think they're going to make a playoff run by any means, but 80 games is very realistic for a plus money number.
3: Yep, it absolutely is. And I can tell you right now, I probably won't be betting too much on Lucas Giolito at home, but I absolutely love what Brian Bale was able to do last season. That guy is the one that you want to watch out for. And if you really want a long shot future, him to be able to make some noise in that Cy Young Award chase that you were talking about with Corbin Burns, I don't think is the world's worst look. He was really able to put it together with that changeup last season. As joining me on the show, we do have Tanner Kern. He does tremendous work over at DraftKings. Joining me on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And in terms of American League East. You're looking at the entire division to be able to win the World Series. Take me through this because this is a little bit of a different market and you've got yourself a nice value on this.
2: I love this bet so much, the American League East to win the World Series, because I truly believe there's four of five teams in that division that do have a chance to potentially make it to the World Series, make a run. Now, a realistic chance, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but there's a talented group of teams in the American League East. National League West is the favorite to win the World Series right now at plus 280, but that just comes down to the Dodgers. I know the D-backs are in there. They made their run last year. I don't necessarily see that happening again. It's, It's Los Angeles or nothing for me in the National League West, so I don't see value there for a plus 280 number the national league east of course is a sneaky pick with the phillies and the braves however as a whole i think the national league is a much more talented uh, league than the american league the east is the powerhouse it's a tough division but considering i can bet on all these teams through this number to win the world series very good value you look at the al central terrible division it always is the Twins should cruise there the west is about the astros and the rangers however in the West, there's not four of five teams in that division that have a chance to win the World Series. Looking at the East, I know the Yankees tend to fall apart in the playoffs right now, or that's been their history uh, recently, but the Yankees are improved. They stocked up with talent. You got Juan Soda, Alex Verdugo, Anthony Volpe's got some experience, Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Marcus Stroman, like the list goes on and on there. There's a lot of talent that they can use to potentially get to the World Series this year. The Blue Jays could be a 90-win team, and the Orioles had one of the best regular season records last year, so looking at this team and this league right or this division i should say there is talent there and then tampa bay and toronto of course are going to be good as well so for the value that i can see here for four of five teams that have a chance to get to the world series can't beat it
3: i absolutely love that play because i am right there with you i do think that the al east top to bottom it is by far the best division in baseball. All five of those teams are teams that are capable of being able to make to the playoffs, and I know that t- people like to poop on the Tampa Bay Rays because they have yet to win the World Series. Well, they got there a few years ago. You've got a Yankees team that they should be revitalized as well. You mentioned with the Red Sox, if they're able to get 80-plus wins, I don't know if they're going to be able to make the playoffs. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but you know what? They'll be there on the Orioles, I do think are going to be very rock solid with being able to add Corbin Burns, and you did allude to it with the NL West there, the odds on favorite to be the 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 division that wins the World Series but that all comes down to one team in the LA Dodgers and you are not betting against them to have a very nice regular season postseason might be a little bit of a different story
2: yeah, I don't like to take short futures, but this is one that I kind of have to take here. The best regular season record, the Dodgers for plus one sixty-five. The pressure is on for Dave Roberts in Los Angeles right now. If he doesn't get the job done this year, I don't know what to say. He probably won't be there. Signing Shohei Otani put the pressure right on him. The team is expected to be one of the best in baseball, if not the best in baseball. It has consistently been over the past few seasons. They've had really good regular season records. They just haven't been able to finish in the playoffs. And that's a huge part of it. Um Tyler Glass now, uh, Yamamoto on the mound, the most anticipated Japanese pitcher to come to the state since Shohei Otani. You have Walker Bueller when he gets healthy at, at their big three. And the lineup's really stacked again with Will Smith, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy. Now you add Shohei Otani into the mix. You have a ton of talent here offensively. So there's really no reason for the Dodgers to not be good. The secondary stars on the Dodgers are stars in big markets. That's that's basically the way to define this team. You know, in the NL West, Arizona is going to be good again, but I doubt we see that unprecedented run we saw last year. The Giants and the Padres are probably closer to 500 teams, so L.A. should run the division. If you run the division, it gives you a great chance to have the best record in baseball. The Braves and the Yankees are second and third on the list for the best record overall, but the Yankees play in a tough, tough division in the American League East, and I truly think the Braves have a slightly tougher record or a tougher schedule going against the Philadelphia Phillies. So you're going to ride with the uh, Dodgers.
3: Yep, you're able to pick up a lot of wins when you go up against the Colorado Rockies and company throughout the regular season. And we always pick up a win when we get Tanner Kern on the show. He does great work over at DraftKings. And coming up next, he, much like myself, taking a look at some college basketball. We'll get you guys some college basketball picks and winners next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sportsman Network.
0: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSN experts have got you covered. Become a VSN Pro subscriber today and you're able to get our daily best bet emails, 24 video, 24/7 video access, and the upcoming college hoops betting guide along with bracket breakdowns and full access to visa.com with our exclusive betting splits breakdowns for every single game visit visa.com slash pro to subscribe today that is over at vsin.com slash pro we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Esports Banking Network. Always great to be joined by Tanner Kern. He does such tremendous work over at DraftKings. And Tanner, you're diving into my neck of the woods in this one. You're taking a look at some college basketball. Absolutely love it. And you're a man that it's out there in the northeast part of the country. And we do salute those teams in the northeast part of the country because they're the main ones that are going to be playing college basketball. On Friday, though, we do go to the heartland for this one. This is out there in the great state of Missouri, St. Louis. They play us a VCU. VCU across the board. They're pretty much a five point favorite. I'm seeing one stray five and a half out there. That was the opener, but mostly seeing this at five totals, 144. want to get your thoughts here because St. Louis is a team that I've picked up on them being a good three point shooting team, but going up against a VCU team that has a really good three point shooting defense. I think they're up against it.
2: Yeah, definitely. First off, shout out to the Northeast mid majors in action Friday night, yes. giving us something to do and bet on, but we'll go to the heartland to start it off. VCU minus five, Defense defines VCU, as you are saying, really good three-point defense, really good defense in general. They're 35th in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. St. Louis is 312, so I think that's going to be the area where this game is decided. Overall in Ken Palm, St. Louis is 209. VCU is 81st. So I think a five-point spread just simply isn't enough, even with VCU going on the road here. The Rams have won four of their past five games, playing really good basketball right now. St. Louis has lost four of their past five games. So the offensive edge might go to the Billikens here, but their defense just hasn't been that good. And this is going to make a huge difference in the game because if you don't defend VCU, they're still going to hurt you. The Rams only allow 65 points per game. St. Louis allows 77. VCU won last meeting between these two teams, 85 to 61 at home on January 19th. I think we're going to see a repeat performance. It might not be this dominant of a game, considering VCU has to go on the road and everything that entails. But overall, it's a really good basketball team. Max Sholga is the player to watch for VCU. Defensive-minded guard, really physical, can go down low, get rebounds. He should have a big game, help his team find a way to win and cover for the Rams.
3: And additionally, with this VCU team, they're finally now healthy as well. They've been dealing with so many guys. Joe Bezmili was out of the fold because of the two-time transfer issue. Sean Beristot has dealt with injuries as well. So I do think that there's a lot of upside there. And you are mentioning the fact that St. Louis doesn't defend this team does. Maris is a top 25 team in the country. It trips points a lot on a per possession basis, playing against Canisius. There's no qualms with this Maris defense. They're going to be able to get the job done. Question becomes, can they score enough to be able to cover this five and a half point line? And you also have a total of 133 going up against Canisius team that has had a lot of offensive issues of their own.
2: Yeah, Maris kind of reminds me of like an Iowa play really good defense. Iowa in football, I should say really good defense, slow, methodical offense. They're definitely a little more efficient than Iowa's football offense, uh, but they are physical and they're a fun team to watch. They've won four of their past five games. They are going to grind you into the ground, especially in the backcourt. Red Fox is 13 and nine. They're only scoring 65 points per game. So don't expect them to light up the scoreboard by any means, even though the last time out, they were really efficient from the field against Canisius. Uh, But when you look at Canisius, they're doing 72 points per game. However, both teams are shooting 44% from the field. So when you look at that efficiency metric, it definitely leans towards the Marist Red Foxes. They're allowing just 62 points per game. Kinesis giving up 12 more points than this per game. And Marist is 95th in Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency, while Kinesis is 229th. I'll say it all the time in college basketball. Good defense wins. Shots are going to fall or not fall, depending on the night. But good defense is consistent. It's something to look at when you are betting. If shots aren't falling, I see this being a low-scoring defensive battle that Maris can win and cover. And again, last time out against Canisius, they won 82-71. Both teams were over 50% from the field, which is kind of wild. It's very rare for uh, Maris, but they won on a night where the shots were falling. If they go, if this turns into their kind of game, a slow-paced defensive battle kind of game. They're going to be just fine here as well. Max Allen, the second six, nine center had 18 points last time out against Canisius. They didn't really have that presence down low to stop him. He was fantastic. I think he's going to be great again, and that's going to lead to a win and a cover here for Marist.
3: Yep. And I'm so glad that you mentioned Iowa because is there a more polar opposite program with regards to their football and their basketball team than Iowa? Iowa <laughs> on football can't score to save their lives. Tremendous defense. Iowa when it comes to basketball can't guard a nosebleed, but you know what? On offense, they're pretty darn good. As joining me on the show, we've got Tanner Kern. He does amazing work at DraftKings. Does a good job on the offensive and defensive side of things. Joining me on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And how about if we dive in on this game as well? It's one of the more pick games of the night. It actually did open up as a pick them and now we've seen the money coming on mount saint mary's mount saint mary's between a one to a one half point favorite total on game is 146 take me through this one because with Ryder, they've been heating up a little bit from three par range but with mount saint mary's while their turnover issues they've been able to rectify quite a few of those in recent games
2: yeah the money's coming in on mount saint mary's i think the public is going to win here i will be on mount saint mary's they're both not great teams but the upside is for the mountaineers is that they have a lot of advantages coming into this game. Ryder did beat them by four on January 27th. And the game with the Broncos were 17 of 17 from the free throw line. They're usually closer to 74%. I don't see them going 100% from the line. And that ultimately made the difference the last time these two teams faced off. I think the Mountaineers just didn't really play well that night. They really weren't good from the free throw line. So if they can fix those issues, I think they're going to be okay coming into this one. They've won four straight games. They've covered two times out of the four. And Ryder has lost three straight straight. Now, it looked like Mount St. Mar- Mount Mary's really found their stride in their last game against Quinnipiac. They won by 17 against a quality Quinnipiac team. In the Ken Palm rankings, uh, Mount St. Mary's is 231st overall, Riders 279th. The two have comparable offenses, but when it comes to defense, again, if you've noticed a trend in my picks tonight, it really comes down to which defense is better, which defense is going to make the difference. And in this game, that is Mount St. Mary's. They have over a 70 spot advantage in the adjusted defensive efficiency metric from Ken Palm. De Dakota LaFue has been fantastic over the team's winning streak. Really good score right now. He's got 20-plus in three of his past four games, including a 34-point night against Marist on February 2nd. You can put up 34 against Marist. I mean, that's pretty impressive with how good their defense has been. Look for him to bring the scoring. It's only going to separate the Mountaineers from the Broncos. I think they get revenge in this spot. Find a way to win, cover, um, and get the job done.
3: Yep, and it's been so interesting to take a look at this Mount St. Mary's team because you bring up Dakota Lafew, He was playing off the ball last season as a fill-in at the point guard spot for Jalen Benjamin. And he's been able to take care of the ball a little bit more. And I think that that's gonna be a big key in this game. If he turns it over, probably gonna be a rough one for Mount St. Mary's. If he's able to take care of the ball the way that he has in recent games, they're gonna be able to pull off the win. So I think that that is such a big key. And I know that you were mentioning defense and how important that is. How about if we take a look at Yale, a team that towards the beginning part of the season, they weren't looking like the defense that they were a season ago, but they've really been able to step it up recently. They are a six to a six and a half point favorite on the road against a Penn team that to their credit for Penn, they've been banged up all season long. They're getting quite a few guys back at the fold. But how do you take a look at this Yale team? One that has been really one of the more dominant majors over the last two
2: months. I mean, the thing that you need to know with Yale right now. Is the Bulldogs look as close to unstoppable as you're going to get recently. They've covered in nine of their past 10 games. They have been printing money for betters, and I'm going to go to them in this spot in a, a game that they should dominate against Penn. Yale has a slightly better offense than Penn. They're much better on defense. Again, the trend coming in here, defense wins games in college basketball. 7-0 and in the Ivy League, while Penn is 1-6 in the conference. Yale's on a nine-game winning streak, obviously covered in nine of their past 10, while Penn has lost six games in a row. These two teams played on February 3rd. Yale won at home 74 to 58. I expect Penn to improve in this game. There's only room to go up based on what they did against Yale last time. They were just 37% from the field, 27% from the three-point line. That's terrible. They're going to be better. I don't expect Yale to win by that many points by 16, but I do expect them to come out and set the tempo in this one. Um, Yale was over 50% from the field as well in that game. So they might not be this good as well. It so just goes back to defense in this one. What's going to be the consistency point? And that's Yale. As they, you said, they're playing better defense. The Bulldogs allow six less points per game than Penn. They shoot nearly 2% better from the field, which does make a difference. And they're a balanced team ranking 89th in the Ken Palm rankings. Penn is 205th. So the balance just simply isn't there. They're also 264th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, it all starts with sophomore. Forward Danny Wolf for the Yale Bulldogs, 15.4 points per game, 9.8 rebounds, shooting 50% from the field. Very few players in college basketball are averaging double doubles consistently every night. He's been doing that. He dropped 24 points with 12 rebounds against Penn in his last meeting. He's got three straight 20 plus point games. Everything's going right for Yale. Everything's going wrong for Penn right now. I'm going to bet on the better team, the more consistent defensive team in the backcourt, and that is the Yale Bulldogs here
3: and we've got about 40 seconds remaining can i interest you in taking nine to nine and a half points with sienna because i am unwilling to
2: (laughs) yeah i don't think nine to nine and a half with sienna is a move for me i'm gonna stick with the picks that i got but feel pretty confident in my four plays here and looking forward to some good old northeast mid-major basketball on friday night
3: Yeah, those are picks are much better than uh, trying to be able to make some money on CNN. It's been relatively rough for them this season, but we always make money and we always get great picks when you're aboard Tanner. You do such good work over at Drive Kings and times always appreciate Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me, Greg. Really appreciate it.
3: Always great to be able to get Tanner aboard. He does a great job looking at football, basketball, baseball, hockey, you name it, he does it. And coming up in the final segment here on the Greg Peterson Experience, I get you guys a beer review of my DK Network write-up for this Friday right here on Visa, the Sports Bank Network.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
2: You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit five dollars and get a no sweat bet of up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets. If the first bet does not hit, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now utilize the promo code of VSIN VSIN when you sign up because over at DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We're back here for the final segment of the night right here on the Greg Pearson Experience on Visa The Sports Betting Network. Coming up next is going to be a replay of this fine program along with First Strike with Dave Ross doing a tremendous job. Take a look at the fight game that we all know and love. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the replay of the Greg Pearson Experience coming up 4 o'clock a.m. Pacific Time, 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern, it is follow the money. We've got the Sports gaming podcast network guys and Sean or Ryan Kramer and Sean Green they're gonna be doing a tremendous job and you guys all set there they do such good work taking a look at so many different things they get their great band of guests that is over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They all do such good work, so you want to be sticking around there, so my job now is to get you to follow the money safely, hopefully with a little bit more money in pocket as I'll get you guys my DK Network right up pick here in a second, but as we know, the NCAA Tournament, it does feature March Madness, but we've got to get in there a little bit sooner because we've got a lot of breweries to be able to take a look at with regards to our beer reviews, so we have set up the beer review bracket. We're in the round of 32 with a classic match of Samuel Adams versus Founders. Founders is up first, and we'll see what they can do here on Hoops on Hops, and we decided to go with the Founders Centennial IPA. They're going to be going up against Samuel Adams. Samuel Adams, they're going to be throwing the change up with the Gold IPA, and when it came to this one from Founders, I had tried a few beers of theirs in the past, and I certainly will be trying much many more of them out there in the great city of Grand Rapids, Michigan, by the way. This was their Centennial IPA. This is one where, for those of you guys that listen to the beer reviews, there will be some IPAs where I'm like, yeah, if you're not necessarily one for IPAs, this might be a good little starter one. This is one where if you're not one that is accustomed to IPAs, you probably don't want to be starting with this one. This is one that is very thick. It is very flavorful, and it's one that, personally, I enjoyed. I gave this an 8.8 out of 10. I thought that it was very, very rich and flavorful, but... At the same time, it stops short at being like super bitter and everything like that. And that, to me, is really the measure of a good IPA. Are you able to deliver that piney feel? Are you able to deliver those hops without being like super duper bitter on the back end? And Founders was able to check the box on this one. You've got some nice citrus notes. You've got a little bit of caramel sweetness to be able to balance it out. Pretty powerful beer at 7.2% alcohol by volume. I thought that they did a very solid job, so... And an 8.8 out of 10 from Founders. And now it's going to be up to Samuel Adams, who time and time again, they have been able to get the job done to try to be able to match or exceed that to be able to go to the next round as they're going to be throwing the cold IPA. We're going to be getting that preview or that, that beer review for you guys on the twitter slash Unit underscore 81 also on the instagram at gunit underscore 81 as well my instagram is pretty much all beer reviews so if you're a fan of those you want to be taking a look on the old gram for those but what you want to be taking a look at right now is some college basketball and trying to find some winners we've got to make you guys some money on this friday to get you set for what is going to be a jam packed 100 million billion games for saturday this is the appetizer slate that we've got on friday and i do think that there's some value on the early game we go 871, 872 on the card. Cornell, they are going to be playing as Harvard. Harvard, these smart kids against the Cornell smart kids. You got a battle smart kids here. They are an eight and a half point underdog. Harvard is with your total on this game, 156. And with regards to write ups, we've been doing a very good job with regards to the totals recently. So we're going to stick with it here. And I did set my total at 161. F. Here at a 156, I'm going to be looking at the over and. A little bit of head-scratching as to why the total is so low in this spot because this Cornell team has been a rocket ship in terms of their offense. Since the beginning of the month of December, they have been able to get to at least 75 points in all but two of their games and, and go up against a Harvard bunch that has not been great for them on defense. They are about 191st in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Now, I will say this about Harvard. Their three-point shooting defense is not bad. They're in the top 100 nationally in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. And you have up a couple, of what? That with the fact that they actually do a better job in terms of their three point shooting defense when they're in a roadside shoot court venue rather than when they're at home. At home, they allow opponents to shoot about 32% from three point range. That lowers to more in that pocket about 38 or 30.5% in a roadside shoot court environment. But even when you're able to shut down the three point line of Cornell, and Cornell, they take a lot of threes. As a matter of fact, in home games, Cornell takes 48.5% of their shots from three-point range. That is the 11th highest mark in all of college basketball in terms of percentage of shots from the field that do come from three-point range. But even if you're able to uh, sort of mitigate that, if you're able to shut that down, Cornell is another way of beating U.S. This team shoots 70.3% from two-point range. In case you're wondering what that means on the national landscape, that's the number one mark in all of college basketball. And that's not just the number one mark in all of college basketball. Next best team in terms of two-point shooting percentage at home, 65.6%. They are 4.7% clear of the next closest team in all of college basketball. And for reference, that next closest team is Crane, a team that has seven-foot giant of the earth, Ryan Kochbrenner. So this Cornell team, they're very balanced there. As we are taking a look at my DK Network, right to pick for this Friday right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. And... When it comes to this Cornell bunch, they sort of have just everyone being able to pop it from 3 point range, and they've got themselves some hockey-style line changes. They've got eight guys that all are able to give you at least 6.4 points per contest. You don't have a single guy that gives you north of 12.2 points per game. Chris Manon, he's their top scorer, and when you take a look at this Cornell team, it's just all-around balance. They've got three guys on the roster that average north of 10 points per game. All three of those guys give you at least three assists per contest as well, so sharing is scaring is something that Cornell certainly lives up to, and for this Cornell team, they've got every single one of their top eight scorers shooting north of 32% per now, other than Keller Boothby, who shoots in that neighborhood, about 44% from distance, they don't necessarily have a guy that's going to go into, like, total inferno mode and shoot, like, amazingly from three par inch, but they're all relatively solid. Going up against Harvard team that is now getting some of their guys back in the fold. They were deal with a illness to Malik Mack towards, like, late December, early January. He's their top scorer, 18-plus points per contest, shoots 40% from three. is able to dole out the ball with about four assists per contest, so that's nice for them Justice Ajabar is. He's been able to give you about six, six six half rebounds per game. He was missing for about half the season, getting him back in the fold. That's relatively soft saw for the team as well. It's your main constant for the team has actually been Chisum Okpara, who's been able to give you about 16 points, seven rebounds per game. But Harvard, they just don't have the same level of depth that you've got with this Cornell team. This Cornell team, they just are able to get their tempo no matter what as well. They're about 54th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. And typically the theory of it's easier to slow a team down than it is to speed one up is very, very, very true. Cornell one won those few teams in college basketball, though, that I just take a look at it, and they're able to get their tempo pretty much no matter what. They're going up against Harvard team that's relatively mid-tempo, a little bit on the slower side, 215th of the country in terms of total possessions per game, but I do think that Cornell is going to be able to get their tempo in this game because they already have. First time these two teams played, Cornell, they went on the road. This was two weeks ago, by the way. This isn't like some game that they played in, like, November or anything like that. This was February 3rd. They won that game by a count of 89 to 76. Both teams shot it relatively well from three-point range. I do think that you're going to be able to see that once again in this one. Even though Cornell is about 65th in the country with regards to opponents three-point shooting percentage, that drops into the... Bottom 175 when they are at home, they actually do a worse job of being able to guard the arc when they're at home rather than in a roadside shooter court venue. And for Cornell, they really don't get too much of a bump with their defense. When they're at home, they're only giving up about two points per per 100 possessions at home rather than in a road slash church court environment. Meanwhile, for Harvard, you have a drop off of about five points more per 100 possessions that they do give up away from home rather than when they are at home. So I do think that this is a good spot for Cornell to be able to complete the season sweep. And I think that you've got Cornell once again being able to get to at least 80 points in this one. They have scored at least 75 points in all but two of their games since the beginning of the month of December. So my DK Work right to pick. We are going to be sticking with the totals. Going to be going with the over in this spot. And with Cornell, if you're looking for a side, set them as a nine and a half point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay up to nine with Cornell on the write-up that is going to be on this total over. And about if we wrap things up with another over that I like. This is 879, 880 on the card. Niagara, they hit the road to face off against Fairfield. The Stags of Fairfield are six to six half point favorites. Total-ounce game in between 146, half and 147. This Niagara team has really went into just guns-blazing mode from three-point range. Top 35 team in all of college basketball. In terms of three-point shooting percentage, they picked up some nice pieces via the transfer portal. Kowain Marble is someone that's shooting north of 40% from three-point range. Luke Bumbleau, fun name to say. He comes in for Ball State. He's flying about 10 points. He's able to shoot north of 40%. From three-point range and much like i was talking about with this niagara team you've got or with this bunch in harvard or i should say cornell you've got a lot of balance with regards to this niagara team as well for niagara you've got one guy that really doesn't pop in from three-point range and that'd be harlan obiana he's a true seven footer that's able to give you about seven and a half rebounds per game past that all but one out of their top six scores have made at least one three, shoot at least 38.2% from three. Problem is they're really giving it up from distance, and this is a Fairfield team that they have cranked up their tempo, but they're now a top 150 team in terms of both points scored and points allowed on a per possession basis. This is a Niagara team that fails to be able to generate second opportunities. They are outside the top 300 with regards to their offensive rebounds per game. I do think that you're going to see Fairfield come out and be able to dominate a game where I think both teams shoot it very well from three-point range. I did semi-total at a 149 looking at the over and i'm going to be willing to lay with fairfield made them a nine-point favorite and coming up at four o'clock a.m pacific seven o'clock a.m eastern it's all the money right here on the beason the sports bank network
0: infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city